I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Well, welcome back, all Pellets fans. I'm Mike Ritalik, Becky Haddad, and Brian Myers are here with me today. And we have Catherine, Katie Teixeira with us, who's going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the work that uh, she's been doing with some colleagues. So Katie, why don't you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, well, good morning. My name is Katie Teixeira. I'm an assistant professor of teaching in agricultural and extension education at the University of California, Davis. Um, I completed a PhD at Oklahoma State University, Go Pokes, in May of 2020, and um, this project was part of my dissertation to complete that degree. Before I went to Oklahoma State, I actually taught seven years um, high school agricultural education in Northern California, where it gave me experience to help me do teacher education, which is the field that I am in now. Um, But what's interesting is I actually kind of live in this middle ground of ag education and ag communications. Um, My major in college for my bachelor's was agricultural science. And there were basically two emphasis areas, agricultural education or agricultural communications. And I really loved both and kind of found a a passion for both during my undergraduate. did an internship in communications and education with the California State Fair. Just had some really awesome opportunities and really great advisors along the way. But um, there wasn't an ag comm major at Cal Poly and there is now, which I'm excited for, for the students to be able to have that. But it wasn't there when I was there uh, like 12 or so years ago. It's, it's been a, a hot minute, but um, I was able to receive a minor in ag communications and then just found ways to gain experience in the industry. Like I said, I had a, um, an internship with the California State Fair just being able to write for the publications, wrote for California Cattlemen's, the Ag Circle there at um, the Brock Center at Cal Poly. But um, this is actually, this project is kind of based out of, and I tell that story a little bit at length because my passions are agricultural education and also the communications aspect. And so I'm excited that we're gonna talk about this today, this, um, the manuscript from um, the national meeting, but also part of my dissertation, what are they talking about? where we identified the intent and content of closed Facebook group for school-based ag education teachers in California. It's a mouthful to say, but basically we looked at the Facebook group, the closed Facebook group for California ag teachers, and we looked at what they were talking about and the content of it and also the intent. So were they asking questions? Were they sharing information? Were they building the network? What was the, the intent of the posts within the group? Um, but before we get too far ahead, I just really want to uh, give a shout out to the team that helped me with this. Um, my dissertation committee, the chair was Dr. Rob Terry and um, Ruth Inman was my junior chair. I also had uh, Kai Cole, who's in our REMS department at Oklahoma State University and Dr. Shane Robinson. And then my good friend, Jessica Toombs was a data hound on this for me and this study would not have been possible without her. So I'm just really appreciative to that committee and, and the people that helped make this this project possible. And so, um, I, you know, I listened over the last week or so to some of the past podcasts and looking at some that kind of interested me in teacher education and, and preparing teachers. And there's this common thread of an importance of a supportive network for ag teachers. 
and, you know, multiple podcasts, Haley Trainee's podcast talked about it. Um, Chris Eck at Clemson University, his podcast talked about it. But it's this idea that teachers need to find expert advice and make connections. And whether that's a formal connection or an informal connection, the research out there tells us that they need to be able to not only reach out and ask for help, but those networks help to um, lessen teacher turnover and teacher burnout. So when they have a network of people to uh, mobilize, they are less likely to burn out. And there's research, not only just in ag education, but across the board in, in what we call normal classes or normal school. Um, but having that network really is important to teachers. And so that was really where this stemmed out of. And, you know, I'm an Enneagram too. Um, if, you, if you follow the Enneagram studies, I love to help other people, but I am awful about asking for help. You know, I'll burn myself out before I ask for help because, you know, there's that stigma of if you can't do it on your own, then can you really do it? Um, if you're not able to figure it out on your own, you're, you're kind of a failure. You have, you know, we have that thought in our mind. And there's also this idea that you feel like you're putting others out. But I think that what this Facebook group has done, and, and we'll talk about the intent and the content of the posts and that, but I think what this does is it kind of takes, allows you to take a step back and ask a question to a group of people, as opposed to just calling out to that one person or, or constantly, you know, um, bothering that one person. And I think that that's really what social media has done for us as a profession. I say us high school teachers as a profession, but also you know, in general, you're looking for a restaurant. What do you do? You say, Hey, I'm going on vacation in Nashville. What restaurants do you guys recommend? And you get a load, a lot of answers, um, in a short amount of time. And so that's, that's really what this is about. And so we knew this was happening in this Facebook group, but we wanted to know what are they talking about and how are they talking about it? And so, um, it's kind of funny that I had this idea of, of doing a study of, looking at a Facebook group, we wanted to do the national group and we couldn't get permission to get the um, administrative privileges to it. And then I said, you know what, I, I'll call and see if I can get the California group. And they were very, um, very welcoming and very, um, uh, they, they just said, yeah, absolutely. We, we'd love to help you out. And so being able to do that. Um, but this idea, I, we kind of joke, there's, you never know where an idea is going to come to you. And we were sitting having sushi on the strip in Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, me and Nathan Smith, one of my one of my colleagues there at OSU, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Why don't we just? And it came, it just blurted out, and he's like, I think you just came up with a dissertation topic, and it was like, oh, so now, now whatever. I say no, I haven't been in Stillwater for a few a few months, but um, when we do go to lunch at Nookie, we sit in that same spot because it's you know that's our idea spot, but. You just never know where an idea is going to come to you. And that was really fun. Um, exactly. Well, I've never heard sushi on the strip, Stillwater, <laughs> Oklahoma, all in the same sentence before. So I've learned something today. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Is it called a bait shop in Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I would call it Americanized sushi. It's, it's not really like, it's not the sushi you get when you're right at the water and that, but it's just one of those places that we'd love to go and just sit and, and enjoy, enjoy company. And, you know, our own network, you know, there's that, that you, you are successful when you have a supportive network around you. And that was our network. We would go and bounce ideas off of each other. I think we came up with a couple of innovative poster ideas sitting there as well. So just a really um, grateful for my network that helped to make this happen, but also some really, really neat things that we did here. So yeah. 
So as, a, as you took a look at Facebook and uh, all of uh, how teachers were using it as a, as a resource, as a community of practice uh, and all of those things, what, what, what were some of the things that you found out? Yeah, so we actually looked at three years of posts. We looked at posts from 2017, 18, and 19 in this group. And we, we chose to do the three complete years because we wanted to also look at, is there a trend like within the year where one part of the year has more type of posts than another? And it actually ended up being a really good idea to do that because um, we had talked about just doing one year. And then I was like, no, I think we need to do more than that so we can do kind of longitudinal um, and so we looked at three years, we analyzed 866 posts for their content and intent um, and just went through and, and identified what are they talking about um, as an SBAE teacher role. And we based that off of research and then also um, the intent of the post, which is we use the communicative functions by Saxton and Waters and Ellison. Um, just kind of a neat, um, a, a bunch of um, research has been done out of Texas Tech using that for um, like group pages or um, industry pages, but nobody had really done anything. And, and really there's not a lot done on closed Facebook groups in general. And so this was kind of one of the first looking at a closed Facebook group for teachers across the board. Um, so we looked at that and we found across the 866 posts that they're mobilizing the network for um, instructional and FFA related topics. And so there are 337 posts about instruction related um, content and 176 posts on FFA content. Um, they also are sharing information across the post. And so the, those first numbers were like asking questions and the mobilization and communicative function, but they're also sharing information. 26% um, of the posts were instruction and mobilization. So those are posts where people are asking for instructional resources, asking for um, course outlines, lesson plans, sub plans. And so, you know, quarter of the posts on the, on the group were about that. Um, and, and it just across the board, the, the biggest part of the posts were in that instruction and FFA category. Um, as they pull up, let me grab my, my diagram here. Um, I do want to go, if I can go back just a second. Um, we actually developed the conceptual framework for this class, for this study, um, we took the communicative functions and the roles of the SBAE teacher and kind of did a crosshatch of them. Um, and it was something that we hadn't seen done before was, so it was new to this study and just kind of a new way to look at posts in general, um, the intent and the content, but overall 54% of the posts were right in that instruction and FFA mobilization and information sharing category. So, um, a lot of posts about teaching, a lot of posts about FFA, officer teams, um, how to lead meetings or how to help students with meetings. Um, and then we even went further, one step further and looked at the overall, what the posts like did like a subcategory for the posts. And so like in the FFA category, 40% of the posts in the FFA category were about conferences you know, where are you staying for national convention? What's the, what day do we wear shirts at state convention and those types of things. Um, we also have the leadership series here in California, the GLC, um, GLC, MFE, ALA, and um, they actually have, um, it's called SLC, it's a, or SLE, I think, um, Sacramento Leadership Experience where the seniors go to the Capitol 
but the teachers are utilizing this network to ask questions specifically for what they're doing in their job. And it was just, it was really neat as we started to pull everything out and see that it's being utilized. And as we looked at it across the year, you know, the, there was a, a spike in posts about FFA in April, which is state convention. There was a spike in posts about instruction in August, September, and October. And so not only are teachers utilizing this to ask questions and mobilizing the network, they're doing it in a timely manner. So they're being able to ask questions when they need that answer to those questions. So, so get one there. That's part of the thing where the, that I have seen. I want to know in, in your perspective too. It's kind of this just-in-time delivery of questions, and 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 if you're on these things long enough, sometimes you see um, at least my 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 perspective is these these questions cycle. They they come they come back, and I wonder if you see that too. And and part of it is, am I just lazy? Do I not want to go back and actually look at the actually go look something up? And so. Instead of me going to go look of what the deadline is, I'm going to post on social media because I know Mike Retallick will tell me. <laughs> and so is, is, is that, and I, and I, I say that jokingly, but is that just part of the deal that those things kind of cycle through? Did you see that in your, in your results? And is that, a, is that a good or a bad thing? Well, we didn't, we actually didn't look to see if like specific ideas cycled. We just looked if they came up like within the different types of the year, but that would be an interesting concept or an interesting thought to do is look at a, a topic and see how it tracks through the three years worth of posts. And I think, Brian, I think it's partly, it's not necessarily they're being lazy that, I mean, teachers are, they're busy. And in the last year, so we did this, we ended this study, the, the posts ended in 2000, December of 2019. And thank goodness it did because in the year of 2020, there were more posts anecdotally, just looking at like numbers on the Facebook group, there were more posts from March of 2020 to December of 2020 than in all of the past three years, which is blows so, my so mind. Are you, are you saying something happened in 2020? Is that something that, no, I, that I missed something? I, I don't know. I heard, and and I heard again, everybody... I did not call teachers lazy. I said <laughs> I was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody just decided to stay home and, and teach at home in their pajamas, you know, like it doesn't that sound like the best life ever. Oh man. I was telling my sister yesterday, I said, I am, I'm so thankful for the teachers that do what they do, but man, for them to have done what they did in 2020 with all of this, like my hats are off to all of those teachers because teaching high school was hard enough when you had the kids in the seats um, and then, you know, teaching college classes with kids online and they, you know, they have to be there, you know, they're paying to be there and they still don't want to show up. So I just, man, I just, my, so my sister's a teacher, um, of elementary school and it was just like, I can't imagine what teachers went through. And so for them to mobilize the network and to ask a question in that real time, I think it's more of like, I'm throwing out a life preserver or somebody please throw me a life preserver. And if we can save a teacher and, you know, help lift them up in that time, as opposed to like, we'll go look for it. Maybe, maybe part of that is saying, Hey, somebody else posted this. I think it was so-and-so. And I have seen that happen. Um, so I follow the group. I'm still a member of the group and I love to see what's happening. Um, I will say in, in March when all of COVID hit and everybody, you know, had to go home and teach virtually, um, the group just blew up and a bunch of people added. 
um, I say a bunch, probably maybe like 50 more people. I'd have to go back and look, but what was amazing to me was it wasn't people asking for resources. It was people saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing to get through this. I wanted to share, Hey, this is what I'm doing to get through this. I wanted to share. And I think that when you can build a network and again, this is anecdotal. We haven't looked at the 2020 posts yet, but we will, um, I think that when you look at the network, that's the purpose of the network. And when, you know, this, this channel is to talk to ag teachers and to tell them, you know, what we learned from this, it's find a network that fits what you're doing. Um, the California Ag Ed Discussion Lab was developed out of necessity for California ag teachers. Um, we do things a little bit differently out here. We have our own science curriculum that's built and based off of NGSS. And so we we're kind of getting lost in the National Ag Ed Discussion Lab. And so the teachers, some teachers here decided, hey, let's build our own that's specific only to us. And so I think if you can find a network that you can mobilize and nobody ever says, hey, you're an idiot. This has already been posted. They say, hey, I think somebody already posted this and they give the link or they say search for this. You're still helping that teacher out and you're still throwing them that life preserver when they might just be barely keeping their head above water. Um, and as we continue to talk about teacher retention and teacher burnout, I think any way that we can help those teachers that are, you know, kind of at their last wit's end um, and they just need that little bit of oomph and help, but it also gives them an opportunity to connect with someone. So say I reach out and Brian, you send me an information about whatever I can say, Hey, that Brian Myers guy, he was really nice. I think I might, I'll introduce myself to him at the next conference I'm at. And again, this is all anecdotal but it gives you that opportunity to say, um, I kind of know that person, like we're Facebook friends. That's a thing, right? You say, Hey, well, I'm Facebook yeah. friends with them. So. Well, it's a good thing. This is an audio only podcast. When you said this, Brian Myers is a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Becky's face was like, was, I don't think we're supporting that, but it hurt. It, it hurt wasn't. Me, I'm, I'm so supporting that. <laughs> well, Brian, maybe you just, were maybe just questioning. <laughs> I only saw, I only saw you, Brian, cause you're on the big screen and, uh, it was, I saw your face. I'm like, Oh, I, maybe he doesn't think he's a nice guy, but it was, yeah. And I, and that's the other thing too, is in our, in our network, you know, of, you know, I'm a brand new faculty member. Um, but I feel like anytime I go somewhere, or I present a paper or, um, there's always someone behind you as a cheerleader saying, Hey, great work, keep it up. And, um, I have to, I'm going to call you out for a second, Brian. You, there was a comment you said to me at the Southern region when I presented my historical research narrative that it made me feel seen. And to this day, and, and I went back and read those discussant remarks again the other day because I was having kind of a, a crummy day, just feeling, feeling the blues, but you don't realize how important other people are and how important that network is until you're on your own or until you feel lost. And, um, I think it's just really important for us to stick together and to help each other out. And I just am so grateful to have had that network as an ag teacher and still kind of be in that network. Cause California, like I said, we're a little bit different here. Um, but also to, to have this new network, to be able to reach out to and ask questions. When I started doing this study, I reached out to Courtney Myers because they've done a ton of um, quantitative or analysis of posts in social media. And I said, Hey, would you be able to send me something to help me, build my code book. And she, it took a couple of weeks cause she was on vacation and, and I, rightfully so, but, um, she sent it. She's like, yeah, anything you need, absolutely anything you need. And I think that that just really 
that's what ag, the whole ag education profession, profession is about. Um, but you have to be able to mobilize the network too. You have to be able to ask for help and ask questions. And I think that these networks, these social networks allow teachers to do that. I think they show again and again that that whole is greater than the sum of its parts as far as, as really what, as, as far as what, what's out there. Did you find anything, Katie, as far as, you know, who's, who's asking and who's sharing and the, the importance of where that comes from? Yeah, so we actually, um, I did a poster for Western region, um, and that was the, the last objectives of the study was looking at who posts the most, um, and that'll actually be, this is the presentation from the National Conference is actually part of the manuscript that I've submitted for JAE, um, waiting for my third review, um, but we looked at who posts the most, and so we had 250 authors um, across the 866 posts, unique authors. So 250 different people wrote those posts. Um, and I think, I don't know if I have the numbers in front of me right now, but it was, I think the person who posted the most had like 41 posts and they were mobilization and information sharing. Um, but what was interesting is, you know, I, I know these people, you know, I've, I taught high school around them for seven years. And even now, anecdotally, the people that post the most on a day-to-day are not brand new teachers. They're teachers that are um, advanced, that are looking for new ideas or advanced, that are um, kind of not, not, not sure how to do something digitally. So they're trying to figure out how to change it into digital, a digital sphere. But what we did find interesting, Becky, was those members that joined after January of 2019, they waited an average. So those that posted with from from 2017 to 2019, within that three-year period, those that joined, that we actually had their joining date, um, they waited an average of 13 months to post within the network. So, that's, and that's not saying that everybody waited 13 months, but um, people waited an average of 13 months to post within the network. And so um, it, it's interesting to look at new members you know, how do we get them to feel comfortable enough to ask questions? Or maybe they're just like, like me, I don't think when, when we looked at the posts and I've been a member since the beginning of that group, I don't think I posted any at all within those three years did an actual post, but I was definitely a commenter, um, made comments, reacted to posts. And so looking at the different ways that people can be active within the network. So you might not be the person asking the questions, but are you someone that's helping to mobilize the network and to, to help um, answer questions within. And so without a little bit more control of how to download names and of comments and that it's, it's a very tedious thing to do. And um, I think there was like five, there was more than 5,000 comments and reactions um, over the three years. And so going through and logging each one of those would be, it would be a tedious task. One that I think Facebook could easily do if they just pressed a button. Um, and I'm hoping maybe in the future we'll be, we'll be able to ask them for that, but um, just a really, really neat thing to see that it wasn't just brand new teachers that were mobilizing the network. Um, another portion of this study that we're going to put, um, we're going to publish looks at just the types of the, the number of comments and reactions per post. Um, and those mobilization posts were actually where people are asking questions and they're they're, you know, it's a two-way communication where they're trying to mobilize the network. Those had more comments than they did reactions. 
And those information sharing posts where people were sharing stuff in a one-way direction saying, hey, here's a lesson plan that I have. Here's a resource that I used. Those had more reactions and comments. And so it was neat to see that because that follows what's being done elsewhere in, in research in um, looking at comments and reactions. But yeah. Well, Katie, this was uh, some, go ahead, Brian. I got one more. I just, I mean, this is the, the big, the big question, I think. Yeah. How do we use the power of social media for good rather than for evil? And so if, if you had really quick summary of what we could take back to our state leaders, you know, either professional associations or, or departments of ed, how do we make sure that we can use, use the social media in a good way to help support teachers rather than all the bad stuff we see about on TV and everywhere else? Yeah, I think that, you know, knowing that this is a network of ag teachers, um, I think that you can tell our incoming teachers, this is a way for you to meet and see what's being done. Um, but also how can we, I think about how can we as teacher education better harness what's being posted. I think it helps us to maybe look at how to do um, some trainings, some in-service trainings, like what's being, what's being missed. Um, but also you said earlier, you know, they're just too lazy to go look for it, but, um, and they're not, I mean, we're, we're talking about like in the moment looking for stuff. He said he was, he said he was. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but I think it gives us also a channel or a plan to help figure out how to communicate with teachers better as well. Because if, if there's 30 teachers asking about state FFA convention or 25 teachers asking about GLC in March, then why are we not sending out a communication to, you know, be ahead of that? Um, and so for to the state leaders, that might be the answer there. And for us as teacher educators, I think it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, there's this network of teachers because when they leave us, we want them to still like want us for, you know, professional development and we want to still be a part of, you know, see them grow. But it's also, you, you know, you kind of throw them off the boat and say, go teach. But this is kind of saying, here's a, here's a dinghy or here's a, a lifeboat to go with you. Um, and there's other ways that, you know, they have in services and there's other ways for teachers to get those resources. But I think that this is a really good opportunity for them to just follow along what's being done and what remains current. You know, people are sharing stuff that they're doing and you can say, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I won't do that but maybe I have an opportunity um, to do something similar. And a, a lot has, a lot has stemmed out of that as well. You know, Katie, I think this is a, a great study and a great uh, oper um, topic to really have a strong a conversation about. And I think it brings a, a lot of value um, using social media to, to get that just in time learning. And, and, and you, you talked very early on about the, the need, for us to ask for help. And if we don't feel comfortable reaching out, it's a broader audience and those that feel like they can respond certainly can. So I think that's uh, some really good work. Uh, the other thing I, that take home point that I think we need to really think about is that there's a role for everybody on these social media platforms. So it's not only the people that have questions, but it's the people that want to share information. It's the people that want to build this community and support people and, and just um, have that uh, sense of community uh, along that way. So I think that was all good work. Well, and it's also, Mike, you, you bring up the point that it gives us the opportunity to ask questions, but you can also direct message through social media as well. So if you see a really neat idea that somebody is doing, 
maybe you're not commenting on it, but you can send them a message and say, hey, this is something I've been thinking about. Would you mind helping me? And so not only does it you know, give you the opportunity to ask a wider variety, you can ask someone specifically that maybe you would have never met and make that connection to someone who's in California, 800 miles away from you, um, that you wouldn't see at a regional meeting or anything like that. And then at state where there's, you know, 900 teachers, you would never bump into them, but it gives you that opportunity for not only just in time training, but also, um, very curated ideas as well. Absolutely. So, and I think that's a, a great place to kind of stop today. I know yeah. you're going to continue this great work and uh, we'll probably get a chance to have more conversations about it down the road. But uh, thanks for joining us on Owl Pellets today. Great. Thank you guys so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.